bum bum bottom 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 bum
And I think that it's important to have all kinds of representations of couples. And I see Ari and Hector's relationship to be one that is warm and inviting and a lot of kids would love to read and project themselves into. And after you read that book, head back to our episode on Bloom from last year and give that a listen. It's one of my favorite episodes that we've done. Me too. It's still, to this day, the single volume that has gotten the most tabbies from me when I was doing my notes process. 88 tabbies. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, so I chose the category of best limited series, and I picked Stan Sakai's Usagi Ojimbo Bunrako, uh, which is the launch of the new um, series under the banner of IDW Publishing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we have just reached a point where Stan Sakai and Usagi Ojimbo, we, we take it for granted how good it is. Uh, and it's been around for 36 years, and it's it's only getting better. Like, and, and now that IDW has it and is publishing it with these uh, gorgeous color editions using Tom Luth's colors, like Usagi Ujimbo has never looked better. I, I, I encourage everyone to check out this title. Don't dismiss it because it has this massive back catalog of, do you of comics. Need, do you think people would need the back no, catalog? No, I, I don't think so at all. I think this is a great jumping on point. But I'll tell you what, once you do read it, you're going to go back like I did, mm -hmm. and read 36 years worth of Usagi Ojimbo. You know, the pandemic's going on. You need 4,000 pages of comics to, to, to occupy your time. This is the perfect thing. And I believe that next year, when the Eisners are offer their nominations, Tom Scioli's Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics, is most definitely going to be nominated in the category of best reality-based work. I would be floored. I would be stunned. I would be agog. Uh, or aghast uh, <laughs> if it was snubbed. Uh, and, but don't worry, Tom, if it is snubbed, I'm going to be there with the extra Eisner's reading list, giving you some love because this book is magnificent. What I really admire about Tom Scioli's approach to the life of Jack Kirby is that he comes at it from a fan's perspective. If you know any of Scioli's work, you know that Jack Kirby is a tremendous influence on his art. Yeah, I don't believe in ranking fans, but I do think there could be a case made for Tom Scioli being Jack Kirby's number one fan. <laughs> like, you know, I love Jack Kirby, but I think Tom Scioli loves him a little bit more. But this is like his exploration into his artistic DNA. Yes. Like he, he has absorbed Jack Kirby's work you see it in his art. And so I really do feel like the level of love and respect and admiration is it just bubbles off of the page. Yeah, and we talk about this in the conversation, but 2020 is like Tom Scioli's year. You oh, know? yeah. He kicked things off with Fantastic Four Grand Design, following in the footsteps of Stanley and Jack Kirby's run on you know, the original Marvel comic, uh, you know, the world's greatest superhero family. Uh, and he, he told their story. He retold their story and then he gave it a proper ending. And that comic alone would be the highlight of any artist's career. But then to follow that project up with Jack Kirby's biography. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And as, as you said, Lisa, you know, Shioli, he has been trying to crack the Kirby code ever since he got into this industry. And if you go back and you look at the myth of Oedipus and Godland and American Barbarian, uh, you know, you see an artist having a conversation with his idol. Mm. And, and, and he takes that over in Transformers versus G.I. Joe and his GoBot series for IDW. You see it in everything. And Jack Kirby, the epic life of the King of Comics, is the culmination of that research, of that affair with Jack Kirby. It's magnificent. And, yeah. and he nails it. You know, there was a part of me when I opened that book for the first time where I was like, I, I hope this is really good. Like, this has got to be good. And it's great. It's great. The book comes out on July 14th. It's from 10 Speed Press. No prior Jack Kirby knowledge is required to get into this book. Mm -hmm. It truly is an immigrant story. It is um, an inventor's story. It's a fighter's story. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a relationship story. We are the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast, and there are many relationships to dig into with this comic. Dare I say many romances. Many romances, yeah, yeah, And yeah. lots of heartbreak. I think that's a good tease uh, for this conversation. I think we should just hop on in. Let's talk with Tom and uh, listeners. Meet us back on the other side. We've got a few more thoughts that we want to share. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're excited. Yeah, we are. And here we are, joined with the creator and artist behind some of our favorite titles, American Barbarian, Satan's Soldier, Transformers vs. G.I. Joe, Godland, and now Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics. Tom Scioli, thank you so much for joining us in the Love Nest today. We really, really appreciate it, and we're excited to talk to you. Yeah, I'm glad to be talking to you. So 2020 for you with Fantastic Four Grand Design and now Jack Kirby from 10 Speed Press, that's a pretty damn epic year as a creator. Uh, never mind the pandemic and all the other <laughs> awfulness going on in this country right now. Oh, it's possible. <laughs> but congratulations to you. This is huge. Oh, thanks. Thanks. It, it, um, it's been intense. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Where Lisa and I wanted to talk uh, at the start is with your take on Jack Kirby, specifically the design and look of your Kirby. Um, I, I know that uh, you, you just you talked about it a little bit uh, with cartoonist Kayfabe, how uh, you wanted to extract some empathy from your reader, and you found that the design of Kirby's face with the big eyes helped you do that. But could you take us through that decision? When did that actually strike you? Like, when I started working on this, I I started with Kirby uh, as a child. As I was working on that, um, I was kind of like, you know, I really like this kid. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, I want to follow this kid on his, uh, you know, adventure through life. But I knew that, like, you know, this kid, you know, his, his uh, face was going to uh, elongate. He was going to get adult proportions, you know, and then eventually, uh, you know, become sort of a middle-aged man, which is kind of, you know, what we think of as Kirby, like like the, the sort of icon of Kirby is this, you know, middle-aged man. And, stuff. and, and I was kind of like, you know what, I'm really going to miss this kid, you know, once he grows past that. And, and like, I think that what kind of set me on... The, the train of thought of thinking about like okay well you know what are some solutions you know I don't necessarily have to draw a photorealistic uh, you know adult Jack Kirby and and you know thinking about how uh, like uh, again like Scott McCloud's uh, he talks about a thing called masking where uh, if, like a cartoony main character makes the reader identify with the character more so, so I, you know so but I, I think that 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 was the the genesis. That's what like started me on that path of, of like thinking about well maybe maybe if I make like a cartoon Jack Kirby, uh, and then everything else just just sort of you know came from there. And is it my understanding that you had started the comic uh, prior to that decision? So you had done quite a bit of uh, quite a few pages before that struck you. Well, um, I like um, before I started you know, working on this in earnest, I had done a couple little scenes and some proof of concept stuff. So I did like a little one page thing that was like, uh, you know, a couple scenes from like various points in his life, uh, him getting the phone call at the timely offices where um, like, like a, a Nazi was threatening him as the creator of Captain America, you know, he was threatening him. And then Jack Kirby says, Hey, why don't you come over? I'll beat you up. Um, so I, I had, you know, some of that just, just when I was sort of test driving, like how the thing would look. And I drew Kirby, you know, as like a like a normal adult uh, there. Like I hadn't drawn him as a cartoony thing. And then I had also done like a couple of scenes that I thought would be interesting scenes. So I did um, like Jack Kirby threatening to shut a, uh, a the lid on a piano on a guy's fingers who was... Uh, you know, one of uh, Roz's boyfriends, he, you know, Jack Kirby, you know, threatened to break the guy's fingers in a sort of passive-aggressive, yeah. jokey way, but still, you know, getting his point across. <laughs> and I drew Jack, um, you know, again, like like a normal adult, and, and he, he seemed very imposing. Like, he kind of looked like, like an Ed, Edward G. Robinson, you know, mm -hmm. like he kind of had the gangster look. And so, and so then when I, you know, started doing the comic, like, for real, and then when I got up to that scene, 
I, you know, redrew it. Like I, you know, um, pasted over the, the cartoon Kirby over the, the realistic Jack Kirby that, that I'd drawn there. In the book, there's the beginning part where you do draw him as just a regular looking kid. And then he, yeah. as his creativeness begins to blossom and his artisticness becomes more to the forefront of his existence, his eyes gradually get bigger. So when I first read the comic, the the size of his eyes took a tremendous symbolism to me. Uh-huh. Was that on purpose? The 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 idea that his eyes grow with his creative insight. You know, a lot of these decisions I make kind of intuitively. So, so you know, so I don't remember having that exact thought uh, as I did it, but when you're sort of guided by your subconscious for decisions, sometimes the decisions are, are, you know, smarter than you are, you know? And, and so, I mean, to me, that's a perfectly valid interpretation. And, and, um, another, another one is, is also that, um, sort of as Kirby is traumatized, uh, the, the sort of, you know, uh, cartoony, um, sort of second self kind of emerges too. the trauma of, of, uh, gang fights and things like that. So again, you know, like these things are like so much more complicated than, than even the artist, uh, even like the creator might understand. And, and, and again, same with, uh, you know, Jack Kirby's work. Uh, there was like a depth to his work that I feel like he wasn't even consciously aware of, that, that he, he was a creator who created so much from the gut. You know, there's there just that depth. It's, it's um, like how your subconscious, how, how we are all um, much better writers and um, uh, movie makers or whatever uh, than we are in our, in our sleep, than we are in our waking lives. In our sleep, we can come up, craft these elaborate uh, fantasies that are multi-layered and, and interwoven and, and have all kinds of cause and effect and have you know, twist endings and surprises. We do that while we're asleep in our dreams. And then you wake up and then you're trying to write a story and and you're struggling, you know. As fans of your work, like going back to Godland and even like the myth of Oedipus, you know, to see you uh, finally get to um, deliver a a proper ending to Stan and Jack's Fantastic Four and then to be the uh, shepherd of Jack Kirby's story with this biography, like as a fan that is incredibly exciting. And you obviously come to this specific book with a uh, mass appreciation for Kirby as a man, as an artist, um, as, a, uh, as a fighter. Uh, but at the same time, I imagine that has to be incredibly stressful. Uh, and it, there's an extra layer of um, uh, responsibility in telling his story as a Kirby obsessive. What was it like transitioning from like, well, I know what Kirby is because I've studied Kirby my entire life or most of my life, but now I have to tell his story in sequential form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredibly intimidating. I mean, uh, you know, and, like writing about anybody, you know, who's a real person uh, is intimidating um, uh, because you're not, uh, you know, like a, a character that I created, I have the final say. On, on, on you know what that person is or what it does, but but I do not have the final say on who Jack Kirby is. Jack Kirby is a real man who lived a real life and, and you know that touched the lives of all kinds of people. So you have to be really careful and, and and tread lightly, and and it's a lot of responsibility. So yes, it's it's and, and especially so so that's like for anybody, but then somebody like Jack Kirby, uh, who's like so beloved, and also um, people who really like Kirby are kind of like experts in Kirby. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of eyes on this, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, going through this very meticulously. So, so, you know, you really have to, uh, know your stuff to, to, you know, say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book about Jack Kirby, you know, and, and, and again, and, and he's got, um, you know, family, he's got people who've worked with him and stuff. So, so I, I, you know, wanted to, you know, uh, you know, really tell the story and, and, and tell it truly and, and also not, not be afraid um, to, you know, not 
to, to you know to show the full ma- the full range you know not not just just be like a puff piece or whatever mm-hmm. to, to like really do something in depth but um you know uh you know be be, be respectful too I understand that a lot of your information is coming from interviews and firsthand accounts and um and I know that Jack Kirby was not like the most effusive guy when it came to like sharing personal information. So yeah. did you feel like you had to do a lot of BS detection when sifting down to the truth or is the literal truth or did you have to get to a point where the little literal truth is not as important as the narrative truth? I mean, like you have to, you have to do like everything within your power, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a lot of these things happened, uh, between people who, who are no longer with us. Mm-hmm. So like, you'll never, you'll never get the absolute truth. And then there's varying accounts, uh, you know, and, and especially like the sort of the, the things that people are most interested in, uh, I, which I think would be like, you know, who did what, you know, on, on, mm-hmm. on like the Marvel stuff, you know, and those things, you get two very different accounts. You know, you have, uh, you know, Jack's account and Stan's, which are, you know, worlds apart. Um, and then you have some people like, uh, like Roy Thomas, who were there for some of it and sort of um, add their kind of, you know, their perspective to it. And then, and then you know, somebody like Ditko, who adds his perspective. You just kind of have to, like, I, I wanted to, uh, like, be as truthful as possible and, you know, to the best of my understanding. You know, and sometimes it would come down to like, do I believe this or do I not? You know, mm-hmm. and, and 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 barring everything else, unable to find you know confirmation of this or that. It, you know, it was like, okay, you know, what do I think of this? And then I'm telling the story from Jack Kirby's perspective. So again, it's you know, it's a really complicated juggling act. Um, and and I I made a point to devote a section of the book to sort of. You know, Stan. Let Stan tell his side of the story too. You know, just, mm-hmm. you know, so, so to kind of get a little bit of that balance. I I tend to believe Jack Kirby, but again, he hit like like I don't think there was any intentional dishonesty uh, involved. Uh, you know, on on Jack's part, I, I think there's a lot of um, you know, like we've learned a lot about how memory works. Mm. and false memory and how people can, you know, sort of not even realize it and, and create these false memories and, and then kind of repeat them to themselves and, and, and they, you know, can't tell the difference between, you know, things about their lives that happened. So I think in Kirby's case, there's some of that. He'll, he'll tell the same war story a couple different times and it's a little different and details are different. And I, you know, I think it's just he's, with his memory, he's like combining different things that happen. Uh, and again, uh, you know, the, the uh, trauma of, of war uh, would, would probably like even even add add to that. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, just you know, like I, you you do your best though when you're doing these things. But that you know that is that is uh, you know, one of the, the tricky things you have to kind of negotiate. I mean, Lisa and I certainly come down on believing more of the 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 Jack side of things than the Stan side of things, and I think it's interesting, or it will be interesting. Um, now that Stan Lee has passed and they're, they're both uh, beyond our reach, if Kirby's point of view will receive a little more credo or a little more light on it, then, uh, you know, Stan Lee's controlled the narrative for so long. Yeah, and, and there were, uh, I mean, there were, there, was all, there were billions of dollars at stake. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, in Stan's case, it's kind of like, you can, you know, okay, they have a difference of opinion or, or, or whatever, but, I mean, uh, you know, Stan was called in to testify, uh, you know, to, to say that, you know, Jack Kirby is not the creator of these things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like he would say different different things in interviews, but when it, when he's in front of a judge and stuff, the, the sort of corporate line was held. And, and I mean, there's some people who, who theorize that um, the reason why, Stan Lee was paid so well and, and given almost mm. like a stipend uh, for, for all these years was to sort of, so that 
any time one of these court cases came up, if they needed him, he'd sort of come in and say, oh, no, I, you know, I created this stuff as an employee, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, Jack was a freelancer and, and had, you know, this and that. Um, so, so there's, so like, there was just, there was a huge financial stake. And then once, um, once the Kirby family uh, came to terms with, with Disney and, 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 you know, settled all this stuff, and now, you know, they, you know, it, it, you know, all parties are happy, you know, with, with the outcome. Uh, you don't have, you didn't have that anymore. You didn't have that, like, okay, we got to maintain this, this uh, corporate story because otherwise we might lose a, a, a couple billion dollars worth of uh, hmm. uh, intellectual property. And um, so that was done. But, but by that point, I mean, um, you know, Stan didn't have very many years left. He, he wasn't uh, as, you know, public a fake so so it's kind of you know those those kind of conversations become kind of moot like he, you know he his uh, his life you know he was in a different phase of life based you know basically and, and I'm sure a lot of this stuff just you know did, didn't really matter to, to him by that point I, I, I would assume uh, you know going back to this this moment in your book where you do hot perspective to Stan Lee uh, to, to give his voice some space in the conversation, what was that like to uh, change gears? Like, a- as somebody who leans more curvy in that conversation, to try to uh, come at uh, come at it from Lee's perspective suddenly. Like Stan Lee is, you know, he's a presence in this book. You know, he's he's a big part of Kirby's life. He's he shows up early, uh, almost as like a nuisance, and then and then he comes back later as sort of like a major, you know, figure, a boss and a, and a creative collaborator. Um, but um, like he was, Stan Lee was really fun to write. He was. It was really fun drawing him, and and having him do his thing, and and, and you know choreographing his, his moves and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like the Stan Lee, this uh, persona that Stan Lee has is um, like it, it's effective. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think all like you know a lot of us have at various points in our lives sort of. Um, eating it up, you know, like, like, like as a kid, like, it's like, oh yeah, Stan Lee, he's, he's the man, he's the guy, you know, uh, and, and it also translates very well into comics, like mm-hmm. he sort of created this, this cartoon version of himself, and, and it translates really well in, into, into a cartoon form, so it was actually like really easy to get into character of Stan, I, I think that accounts for a lot of the popularity of Stan, and a lot of, like, why, um, you know, the, the, the large, like a large number of people tend to just, um, you know, believe like the Stanley myth is because it, it is so uh, attractive and, and um, it, you know, kind of captures your imagination. The, the truth of the matter is sort of muddier and not as glamorous. And so it's, you know, it, it's, 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 a, it's a harder pill to swallow just because it's, it's, it's not as sweet. Here on Comic Book Couples Counseling, we always come at comics perspective of relationships and this Uh book really reminded me like how there is so much romance when it comes to the collaborative artistic process like joe simon was clearly one of the great romances of jack kirby's career and then his relationship to stan lee and to marvel was one of the great violations of his Uh career and um I know that comics always involves a certain amount of collaborative process. And did any of Kirby's trials and tribulations of being a collaborator resonate with you personally? And are there any lessons that you've learned um, from Jack Kirby about the collaborative process? Yeah, I mean, yes, yes, like very much so. And and I think for, you know, sort of like cartoonists in general, especially, you know, the, the more aware you are or interested you are in, like Jack Kirby and, and the works of Jack Kirby, that's that's like a lesson from day one is like, like okay, be like Jack Kirby, but don't be like Jack Kirby. Like, mm. like uh, you know, be as creative and inventive as Kirby, but like watch out, you know, like don't, um, you know, don't don't uh, sell your stuff, uh, sell yourself short. Don't don't uh, uh, undervalue your your work. Um, you know, and to don't don't be in that Jack Kirby position where you, uh, you know, co-create a 
a universe that's like a billion dollar property mm-hmm. and have zero financial stake in it. So, so, you know, these are the lessons that, that like, you know, the next generation of creators, you know, had, and then, and then I'm, I'm a couple generations removed from, from like the Jack Kirby. Thing. So, so, you know, you know, by the time I was making comics, it, it was like very quick, like the, the whole creator rights movement and mm-hmm. stuff had already, you know, uh, you know, come and, 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 and gain traction. And so, um, so yeah, like, like Jack Kirby, it was like a lesson for those things. And, um, a lot of the ideas about, you know, how Jack Kirby found himself in this position are maybe, um, like a little unfair. Like when, when you learn his actual story, uh, you see that, I mean, he didn't just sort of blindly enter into mm-hmm. these things. He had a whole, um, he had, he lived a whole life and, and had various levels of involvement, uh, you know, and, and, and made, you know, different financial decisions and business decisions, uh, every possible, you know, he, he self-published comics. He, um, you know, ran studios. He had guys working under him. Uh, you know, um, he was, you know, he was the boss for a little while. So, you know, by the time he came to Marvel, it's not like he was like, Oh, golly gee, you know, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, he'd seen the whole industry collapse around him and it's like, okay, you know, if I want to keep making comics, I guess this is how I keep making them, you know? And, and, and once, you know, when, when, uh, whenever his, you know, contract was up for renewal, he would, you know, work really hard to make the best deal he could. And, and, you know, he made some mistakes, but he wasn't just head in the clouds, drawing all day and not giving a thought to these things. He spent, he did have his head in the clouds a lot of the time and he did spend the majority of, of his day, uh, you know, solving creative problems, but, but he also, um, you know, was, uh, you know, like fighting for, for, for his, his piece of the pie. It's just the, the industry, like the, the time it was just, you know, so hostile, uh, to, to that kind of thing. And, and, and he, and he'd been burned a number of times in the past, whenever he would try to sort of stake out on his own, uh, those, you know, th- those things, uh, towards towards the end of like the the 40s and the early 50s those things just like crashed and burned you know uh one after the other to me the the two elements that i found most informative about how he ended up making his career decisions was first and foremost his upbringing where um you know loyalty came first where he was in these like little scrappy kid gangs where it really was like team spirit, us against you or us against the world. And then, um, which was reinforced then by his military career, where it's like, yeah, you protect your brothers first and foremost. And um, and so when he entered into then, uh, you know, the comic book world where collaboration is such a huge part of that, he did go in with the attitude of, I'm here to serve the team. Yeah, he, he um, like he had sort of the you know uh, old old fashioned values and and uh, yeah like ideas of, of um, uh, loyalty and and um, sort of like you know you're responsible like like uh, individual responsibility and and and, uh, uh, and and he um, he he felt um, like this this responsibility to like be like the breadwinner or whatever. Like, like, mm-hmm. you know, he you know, grew up during the depression, you know, his, his, his parents were, were poor and struggling. And it's like, he, you know, worked incredibly hard, you know, worked crazy hours and, and became, you know, the, 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 uh, like, yeah, the breadwinner, like, like he, he, you know, paid, you know, for his parents to live, to live in his, and, and eventually his in-laws too, you know, uh, mm-hmm. for a while, like, like he was, um, he was having some really good financial years at a time when, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people were having like their worst financial years. Um, you know, uh, it's like when you work in sort of an entertainment field, that can happen, you know, like the way, you know, comics and escapism sort of like flourished, uh, in a time of, of, you know, financial, uh, disaster, uh, and war. And then, um, uh, you know, same with, you know, motion pictures, 
obviously his greatest and his favorite collaborator was Roz, and she was a profound influence on his life. And um, I, we see over the course of your book, her assertiveness with Kirby begins to change. And I'm just curious, like, where did your impressions of Roz come from? And, and um, what was the choice to then flip into her perspective for a moment? Yeah, that like, uh, um, again, like, yeah, people think of like, oh, yeah, Stan and Jack, you know, so that's the great partnership. But it's like, it's like, no, that, you know, that's uh, like, it's, it's Stan and Roz. Like, she was his, his you know, partner in so many ways. And to give Kirby the space to, to have his head in the clouds and, 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 and do all this conceptualizing um, like he had to be sort of the more grounded one and, and um, you know, sort of, you know, take care of like the, the day-to-day, you know, survival of, of their family unit. You know, she, and she's such a, such a huge figure. And, and, yeah, people who are like fans of Jack Kirby kind of understand this. And there's all these like stories of, you know, people coming to the Kirby house uh, unannounced, you know, fans or whatever uh, to, to visit. And then, you know, Roz, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, makes, makes some lunch and, and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, like sort of, uh, um, uh, is like the cruise director, you know, and, and as, as they can sort of bask in the, the, uh, you know, uh, intermittent, like, you know, uh, uh, wisdom and stories of, of Jack. And, um, I, I guess as far as like sources and things, um, there, there were a couple interviews with her. There, there was like a really great interview towards the end of her life, uh, uh, you know, and just, you know, her perspective, it was just, like, so interesting. And then there was even, there was, like, an interview with the two of them together, uh, which, like, you could just kind of, kind of see, you could just see the chemistry that they had, you know, they kind of, uh, the, the way, uh, you know, couples who've, like, been together for a really long time almost develop, like, like a, uh, like a show, you know, that they kind of have their little uh, banter and, and, and patter, you know, that, that kind of comes out at like parties and whatever, like they, there was, you know, you could, you could tell the closeness. And then, and then there were occasional interviews where, um, where like they, they weren't necessarily interviewing Jack and Roz, but where like they're interviewing Jack and Roz is in the room and she'll kind of come in and, and, you know, um, clarify some, some, uh, you know, like factual errors or, or, or whatever. I was, aware of so many of these stages in Jack Kirby's life before reading your book, but this was the first time where I really had it all laid out for me. And, you know, the title of your book is Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics. And epic, that is that is so true when it comes to him because he's got, you know, the, the his time in the gangs of, of New York. He's got his time in the war. He's got his time at the very start of comics, uh, Frederick Wortham comes in, uh, Marvel, you know, and so on, so on, and so on. And when you start this process of having to detail all these big moments in not just his life, but in the industry and, and history, was there a moment you were uh, the least excited or the most cautious uh, in tackling? And was there a moment you were the most excited to put down into paper finally? like your your perspective is uh the same as mine um because again like i i know all the stories like i i you know have have you know like my kirby fandom and and and, like i know the legend of jack kirby and all the different things but that's kind of different than sitting down and putting it all in order one after the other and um like doing that like i was just hit with this tsunami of Mm -hmm. like it just never ends, like the the the, the work and and the ideas, and just like even just like cataloging like the characters that he created, and and um, it's just like when you sit down and, and just start listing it and, and putting it all in order, it's 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 amazing. It's it's um like uh, I mean, as far as uh, you know, like what was something I something I like maybe wasn't looking forward to, and then something that I was really excited about. I was really excited about like, like, like his, his, you know, the Stanley and Jack Kirby journey. Uh, even though it's, it's not, it's not as important to his life story as it is to like the fans, mm. you know, like the fans of, 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 you know, Marvel comics and, and, you know, the Avengers and whatever. 
like the the Jack Kirby and Stanley story is like so huge, but it's 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 not it doesn't quite occupy that space in, in the span of his life. But still, I'm a fan, and I you know love like it just is is it's such a treat. Like it's such a wonderful piece of information. And for anybody who maybe didn't know these stories before, I I'm so happy to you know possibly be the one to tell them these stories. But the idea that Stan Lee was like the annoying office boy. <laughs> he was, you know, this, this kid who, you know, was just graded on, on, you know, Jack and, and Joe Simon's nerves and was like, Oh my God, get this kid out of my face. And then years later, it's like, uh, you know, Jack show, you know, shows back up at Marvel and, and now this guy's running the place, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, like, uh, and, and they're both in these sort of dire straits and, and the industries in, in dire straits and, He's there, you know, hat in hand to like now, you know, ask ask this annoying kid, you know, years later, you know, for work. Now he's, you know, his own. So like, I couldn't wait till that, you know, to get to to do all that stuff. That 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 was like, re- you know, really, uh, you know, fun. That was exciting. And of course, like, I mean, I have all the stuff I'm a fan of. So like, like I'm I'm you know really a big fan of like Jack Kirby's like the his like New Gods mm-hmm. era, the stuff he did like immediately after. Um, after Marvel, so I like I was looking forward to showing you know that that phase of his career and, and just this you know sort of creative explosion that he had uh, in, in sort of like midlife, like uh, you know approaching approaching old age. He had this like explosion of, of like you look at his career and, and there's all these like explosions of ideas like throughout his life and and it, it is like really inspiring. I think uh, you know for a lot of people to see a story of somebody who at a point in life where some people might think, you know, oh, your best years are behind you and stuff, to, like, continually innovate and, and you know, you know, come up with, like, really amazing stuff. And, and like, the other part of your question, the, the thing that I, you know, was not looking forward to, I mean, um, I mean, like, an obvious answer it would just be, like, his death, that I'm telling the life story of Jack Kirby and I'm going to have to, you know, deal with his, his, his death at some point. And that, you know, like... That's not fun to kind of uh, like. And when you're creating something, you try to like really like get into the moment of, of what you're depicting, and and uh, you know. And so like, I wasn't, you know, that was uh, like, oh, you know, this isn't going to be fun. This is, this is, you know. Um, uh, so, so that I mean, that's like an obvious obvious one that comes to mind. Mm. I mean, Tom, you know, I'm not going to spoil that moment uh, for the reader. I mean, obviously he passes away, but I can tell you that I cried. Uh, at that uh-huh. moment in the book like it brought me to tears so the way you uh-huh. handled it thank you it was i also beautiful. feel like yeah. the way you handled it really uh respected his privacy mm. well yeah i mean I, yeah like that was, that was the other it's it's like uh you know this is like a real guy too you know so it's like you know you, yeah you want to um you know like that that moment like uh, you know uh you need that moment in the story but yeah to like kind of uh you know, yeah, do it, like, tastefully, and, and uh, like, he's the narrator of the story, so it, it, it kind of, it's, uh, you know, there's, like, I, I still have, like, a section, you know, after that, where I talk about his, his legacy and stuff, and it's like, okay, how do you, how do you handle that, and, and how do you, you know, segue, uh, you know, from, from, from one, one thing to another. It, um, I just, like, I, I, I uh, know these stories of, like, uh, you know, Ronald Moore, uh, talking about having to write, you know, the death scene of Captain Kirk, mm-hmm. and, and how like emotional that was for him. And so, so it's it's kind of like, you know, because like that was like his hero as a kid. You know, uh, growing up, now he has to write, you know, and, and that it was like extremely emotional, and and, and yeah, he cried, and stuff, you know, and and I've heard like similar stories, you know, from different creators. Uh, uh, I think like Brian Bendis talks about writing like you know the death of Peter Parker and stuff and how emotional and, and that he cried and uh, uh, as far as I remember, mm-hmm. uh, you know so so it's like now I'm I'm you know writing you know uh, you know the the story for like my hero uh, Jack Kirby who's also like he's not he's not a fictional character either he's he's like a, a real you know living breathing person so yeah it was you know it was. Uh, uh, you know, it was a lot, you know. Mm, uh, yeah, I can only imagine. Um, if, now, I would like to look at the Tom Scioli before Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of King of Comics, and the Tom Scioli after uh, Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of King Comics. 
how how did your relationship with this person you've obsessed over for so long alter in the course of telling the story? Um, I'm, I mean, it, it's it's weird to say, but I feel like by sort of like living his, through his living vicariously through his life, like one page at a time. By the end of it, felt like I like you know downloaded Jack Kirby, like like that I I did live his life, and 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 uh, it was it was like it, it was every it was my whole day was you know for 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 you know uh, a couple of years was just like Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby, like you know like in Jack Kirby world, um, and, and then even you know when I sort of had my side project that I, that I worked on during the time, it was you know doing like mm-hmm. the, the Jack Kirby Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's like, I was just so immersed. So I, like, I feel like, I, like I've like lived his life uh, in, in, in some weird way. Um, and you know, just, um, like I, like I, I, that I've sort of like, that I've almost like sort of completed some kind of journey mm-hmm. that I've been on for, for a few decades, mm-hmm. you know, just, just be started. Cause I did, I, start, I started my comics career with the idea of like, I want to, I want to be like Jack Kirby. I want to, I, I want to, you know, draw like Jack Kirby. I want to think like Jack. Kirby. I want to be able to just, just, you know, rattle off, you know, new characters and concepts like, like, I, like that was, uh, you know, and, and somewhat naively, uh, I, I went into, and went into it that way. You know, I was, I was, uh, you know, like a college student when I sort of, you know, was like, yeah, this is the way to do it, and and you know, kind of, kind of naive, didn't know what I was in for, but like, this, this is kind of the. Uh, you know the, the the ultimate um like uh end point of of that of that journey so it's, it is like i am in it like you know this i am at a point now where it's like man what do i do next mm-hmm. and, and i still haven't you know quite figured out like what what i am because it's like this is it's like this giant chapter of my life that has this uh you know nice little uh you know, closer, this nice, nice little capper to it. And, and, and it is like, uh, kind of like starting from scratch. Uh, it, it's interesting. And, and by the end of this book, like by the time I finished it, I kind of, I needed a break from Kirby. I was like, kind of like all Kirby out. And so I, you know, wasn't reading anymore, you know, Jack Kirby comics for a little while, like maybe like, like a month. Uh, and, and, and then, and then, you know, I kind of, you know, got back to my sort of, uh, you know, recentered or whatever, and 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 now you know, like I'm reading Kirby all the time again. You know, mm-hmm. you know, just for pleasure. You know, it's, it's like uh, you know, my my favorite thing to do is read a Kirby comic. So I'm back, but for a while it was like it was like uh, you know the way an explosion you know sucks all the oxygen out of a room. Like it was this project took every bit of you know Kirby uh, energy out of out of me and, and into this book, and and I needed a little while to to, to let it sort of you know, come back in. I was really intrigued by what you said about like how you took into account um, how memories work and how like we create false memories and false narratives and I and I'm just curious uh, of like taking his whole career and then digesting it and then putting it into a narrative like I know you know you're at, you know in the middle of your career your story is still going <laughs> uh, thank God um, but like has putting Jack Kirby's career into a narrative kind of influenced how you look at your own career as a narrative in any way and how you want to continue building your own personal story? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, just, like, since I finished this, I've been sort of just tinkering with, like, little other little projects and, you know, possible things that, you know, I might work on. But, like, one of the things, like, I have started doing some, uh, you know, autobiographical stuff you know, just because it's like that, it, that, that does feel like kind of the next, the next step. And, and in some ways, this Jack Kirby book kind of, it feels like I wrote my autobiography a little bit in mm-hmm. it because, uh, I mean, not just because of like, like the amount of like identifying with Kirby as I'm working on it, but it's almost like a catalog of like everything I'm into. Cause it's like, cause like Jack, it's like, like again, I, I like love all the Jack Kirby stuff. I love you know uh, the Marvel stuff, the new guys and stuff. But then it's like it's kind of like Jack Kirby, uh, you know, in the '80s working on Saturday morning cartoons. And it's like okay, those were the Saturday morning cartoons I grew up with, you know. And, and Jack, Jack Kirby, you know, working on the Mr. T cartoon. Like like I was a huge Mr. T fan as a kid, and, or um, you know the, the 
Siegel and Schuster, um, you know, fight for their rights, you know, with with uh, Neil Adams helping them kind of get some kind of uh, particip- creator participation in, like, the Superman movies. Like, you know, the, like it, it's like everything I care about uh, mm. almost is in this is in this book. So, so it, it, it did kind of get me in a frame of mind of kind of thinking about, you know, like, like self, self, self reflection. Um, uh, and, and, uh, and it, like, I do feel like I am at a, at a turning point now, which is actually kind of, that's kind of bad for creativity. <laughs> like your creativity is kind of at its best when you just kind of relax and you kind of don't care. Like you care, but you don't care. You're just kind of like, Oh, what's this going to be? Like, that's usually when you make something really cool. So it's like, to be at this point of like, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a fork in the road, it's a, like, that, 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 that sort of, it's kind of counterproductive, so, so I, I'm trying to get out of that, uh, you know, frame of mind, too, and kind of you know, take things a little less seriously, and, and then hopefully, you know, something, like, really cool will, will come out of, as a result. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like, like the, the thing that always comes to mind for me is, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just a group, like, like uh, Eastman and Laird had their, very serious project that they were putting all their effort and energy into. And then it was just like one night, uh, just start passing this doodle back and forth of, of, you know, Ninja Turtles. And then that, that became, you know, the, 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 those kind of like, like I, I want to get in that frame of mind. Mm. Yeah. You know, like we obviously don't know you uh, personally, but as, as fans of your work to see you come to uh, this book and to produce this book and it to be such a beautiful uh, tribute and 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 also just a straight up rad narrative, uh, like it's it's like suddenly weirdly I'm proud of Tom Scioli for <laughs> having produced this work uh, and I had nothing to do with it, um, but like that idea of where where you go next and I imagine when this book comes out, you know, uh, Jack Kirby the Epic Life of uh, the King of Comics is going to land. I think it's going to it's going to certainly hit all the right notes for all the all the fans of Kirby already. And I think we're entering into a world where Ava DuVernay is making a new Gods film. Marvel's uh, yeah. will eventually put out the Eternals. I think the world has open arms for Jack Kirby. And you are providing those people with that hug. And so mm-hmm. thank you for that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I'll, like those things you mentioned, I'm excited about. I'm excited about the Eternals movie. And I'm excited about uh, Ava DuVernay's uh, New Gods movie, um, like those, that. As a Kirby fan, those those are like kind of big uh, hallmarks because it is like um, up to this point, every like Jack has had all kinds of like has has created sort of like hit hit movies based on all kinds of Kirby properties. But this will be the first time where it's like it's just Eternals mm. based on a comic by Jack Kirby, mm. New Gods based on a comic by Jack, like just like. Kirby owns like full Kirby spotlight. Mm-hmm. Like that that that's a big deal. That's that's um you know, that's like a big step for and and man, he would be so thrilled by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you know, now that when I have friends who ask me, well, who is Jack Kirby? And I think I'm gonna get that question a lot more going forward. Oh, who yeah. is Jack Kirby? I'll be able to slap a book in their hands. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the story of my life too where it's like you know people be like oh you know Jack Kirby so who is that and you know like yeah like sort of you know this this is this is like my my answer to that question or, or you know or the question of like oh Stan Lee you know you created he created all that stuff right and it's like oh well there's actually somebody else that, that you know about too uh, do you have other kind of patron saints of your creativity that you might want to highlight in the future that's kind of like the, the what I'm kind of thinking about now, even as as potentially something I could work on would be like, yeah, like who else, uh, you know, is, is there anybody else who, who kind of you know means uh, what Kirby means to me, or and and, and like anybody else would be a, a distant second. Like Kirby mm-hmm. is like by far and away my 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 top deck. Um, I mean, I think I, I I think it would be interesting to, you know, do another biographical book about somebody who maybe I'm not as invested in um, just because like it would be interesting to to like learn about somebody uh, in the process because like I mean I learned a lot about Kirby in the process of this but to kind of go into something and be like you know I've always wondered about you know this person or that person like let me let me go learn about them and, and, and see what I can come away with um, 
like that that might be interesting uh just i mean just off the top of my head of like people like not necessarily somebody like i do a comic about but like i love star wars so like george lucas is kind of like a big figure and, and if, if you're like a fan of star wars uh you know from you know from like the same you know generation like as we are you kind of like it's like a it's kind of like a roller coaster ride of like, oh man, Star Wars is the greatest. Oh, I can't wait for, you know, George Lucas to make new Star Wars movies, and then the, the prequels come out. It's like, oh no, this wasn't what I would hope, you know. And, and then kind of falling back in love with it and other. So I mean, that you know, that's somebody I think of, and, and I sort of I studied his his uh, you know creative process and like you know how he and, and learned a lot and, and you know uh, you know you know you know really interesting stuff. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm like a huge fan of, you know, Frank Miller's comics mm. and uh, Alan Moore. Um, you know, again, I, I don't I don't know that I would want to make a necessarily want to make a comic about either of them, but like you know, they're kind of uh, you know pe- people I look to. Uh, uh, there, there's um, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto who, mm. who made, made uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, who was like. Um, you know, like every like every cool video game. You know, like he, he worked on uh, Donkey Kong, Kong uh, uh, Super Mario, Zelda. You know, like like you know that's that's somebody I, I think of a lot. Like just like I'm, I'm like really interested in sort of like um, prolific, creative. You know, people who like you know redefine their industry. You know, like the, those those are you know these these are, these are like my heroes. Tom, so the book comes out on the 14th of July, which is next week. Uh, where can our listeners uh, track you down online? Can we point them to your socials? Yeah, I, I'm uh, on Twitter, at Tom Scholey. Uh, and then I'm on uh, Instagram, at Tom underscore Scholey. Um, so th- those are you know the best places to track me down. I've got you know, pre- pretty active on there. Hmm. Um, main, I mean, mainly, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to get my, uh, you know, like, you know, thoughts or, or like, you know, a picture of like what I had for lunch or anything like that. <laughs> but like, if these like little projects that I've been working on trying to get, you know, trying to see if, if it like turns into something, like I'll post that stuff there. Like I'll be like, oh, you know, here's a couple pages of like this or that that I'm tinkering with, you know. So so like you, you'll, you get kind of like an insight into like, uh, my creative process and, and, and where I'm at. I've really enjoyed all the superpowers stuff that you've been uh, doling out here, here and there. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's, thanks. Yeah, like that, that superpower stuff. It's like I, um, I have books and books, like like uh, sketchbooks filled with, um, you know, ideas and scripts and, and drawings and stuff for superpowers. Uh, you know, which you know, you know, uh, it got cut short, and it was it was short to begin with. It was like a three three page comic like three pages per issue so i had like you know years and years worth of material that i'm super proud of and like never got to do anything with so again now that i'm in this kind of research and development phase i'm just kind of some days i'll just be like oh i'd really like to you know get this thing out of the sketchbook and into the world so people can at least like see it and enjoy it and won't just uh you know go to go to waste so like that that's that stuff i'll probably be rolling out you know for a while well, if we haven't convinced our listeners to order a copy, if they haven't already pre-ordered a copy of Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics, please do so. It's certainly uh, one of my favorite books of 2020, probably my favorite book of 2020 so far. Uh, so please go out and support it. It's from 10 Speed Press. It's a gorgeous book. It's a beautiful book. It feels great in the hands. The quality is top-notch. Uh, so please go do that. Support uh, Tom. And uh, Tom, you know, Whatever your project is after this, I'm extremely curious to see it. I'm, I'm very excited. Oh, thank I, I'm, I'm curious, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to ask you to come back on the show uh, whenever that next project comes out. And, hell, I'd love to talk to you about Fantastic Four Grand Design because we really didn't get a chance to talk about that because that's also been an amazing work in 2020. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> And there you have it. As promised, Lisa and I were a couple of geeks. Uh, we were we were barely holding it together because we were, were so in love with Tom and his work. I think that we did 
gain control of our enthusiasm and faculties <laughs> about a third of the way through. You always know, like, those first couple of questions, they're like your first two pancakes. They're always going to be a little bit weird. They're not going to be as well-shaped as everybody else. Uh, I think it? you're a little harsh on that first question. I think the first question is it was was a solid one. Thank but there, you, I but love. there is that period where you're getting to know your uh, your guest, right? Yeah. And they're getting to know you. And he was super sweet and forthcoming. Yeah, and while we're a couple of geeks, Tom is obviously a big time geek and he has a lot of pressure and he feels a lot of responsibility uh, to the legacy of Jack Kirby with this book. And I I can't imagine the anxiety uh, that 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 could potentially be swirling around around in his head. Uh, but now this book is out here and I think I think he's going to get a lot of love. Sure, there's going to be people who are going to have questions who are going to be like, oh, what about this moment? I don't know about that moment. But I don't think that it's the particulars that is really important about this book. Like, Shioli is not shy about saying like, this is a book from Jack's perspective, from the, my perspective, right. but from Jack's perspective, a um, Kirby sympathetic point of view. And I think that that's clear, particularly in his handling with the relationship with Stan Lee. He even takes that moment to give a little bit of Stan Lee's perspective, just to point out, like, there's lots of points of view about this history. But I think as comic book nerds, we were aware that Stan Lee somehow was hogging the credit for some of those early Marvel well, characters. I mean, Stan Lee was a promoter. Stan Lee was a brand. He was a master of slapping his name on things and getting out the Marvel message. They were two people trying to make it in an industry with two completely separate types of talents. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And even though I do take the Kirby side mm -hmm. when it comes to who really was the mastermind behind Marvel, but... I can't deny what Stan Lee was able to do for himself and for Marvel. At the end of the day, Lisa, I think you have to look at them as Lennon and McCartney, right? Like it, they're, th that mixture is what we ultimately love. But also, uh, as Tom points out, these are the conversations as fans that we love to have and we love to like argue about over and over and over again. But there was more to Jack Kirby's life than the Stan versus Deathmatch, right? And what's great about the Jack Kirby book and the stuff that I really gravitated towards were his times in World War II, uh, his 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 time as a kid in New York, scrapping it up, uh, his time with DC and the new and the New Gods, and then you know uh, coming to the at the end of his life too. And, and there's just that that phrase, the epic life of the King of Comics. Yes, that it's epic. It, the Jack Kirby story is epic and would make not only a hell of a great comic book that Tom Scioli has put out here, but I'd love to see a movie of this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me the American splendor of Jack Kirby. Oh, man, I'd eat that up so quick. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. The book's not even out yet. It comes out <laughs> on the 14th. Uh, outside of, like, details on Jack Kirby's life, we really haven't spoiled anything uh, regarding the comic itself. Uh, there's so much to discover and explore, and the way that Tom Scioli illustrates this it's endeavor. It's so inviting. It's so rich and warm and loving, and the character of Jack Kirby, that little cartoon guy. I, I need a Funko Pop right oh, yeah. now. And I'm so excited and curious to see what Tom does now that he has put this behind him. Like, whatever that project is, I, I can't imagine it, but I'm 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 on pins and needles. So so is Tom Scioli. <laughs> yeah, and so is he. But you know, like I, if 10 Speed Press were to come to him and go, well, give us your Stan Lee graphic biography, that's not necessarily what I want him to do, and I'm not sure he wants to do that. And he didn't say, like, oh, I would love to do the Alan Moore story or the George Lucas story. But when he was saying that stuff, I'm like, well, I want I want you to do those things. I'd love to see Tom Scioli take a crack at Lucas's life and the creation of Star Wars. And I think, like, I think about how this meditation on Jack Kirby's life has Tom Scioli thinking about his own artistic process. He's got to find that, like, to me, I felt creatively inspired mm -hmm. by reading this book. Yeah, I know you did. And I, th I can't imagine Scioli is not totally creatively inspired to make 
his next thing. Well, I hope everyone is following him on Instagram and Twitter because those little strips that he's putting out are, are really delightful. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't read his superpower strip, which is in the back half of uh, Cave Carson and his cybernetic eye from Young Animal, you, you should do that because it's delightful. Okay, so for next week's show, we're returning to our current comic book couples therapy session with Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon. We've already covered the Robin and Batgirl years, and it's time to enter the Nightwing and Oracle era. Barbara and Richard are all grown up. Actual adult romance. Ooh, dirty. Not creepy kitty love, Lisa. Okay, Brett, now you're you're making it weird. No, I'm just saying that those Batman family issues from the 70s were making it weird. <gasps> Shut up, Brad. You know that's my jam. You and your jam. Okay, now that sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> we'll briefly go into the events of the Alan Moore and Brian Boland story from the 80s, uh, The Killing Joke, but our main focus will be the Batman Chronicles number five, or at least a segment of that issue that focuses on Oracle Year One, published in 1996, written by John Ostrander and Kim Yale, and illustrated by Brian Stelfreeze and Carl Story. There's no Robin in that issue, really, but it's essential to filling out the character of Barbara Gordon after the atrocity that is the killing joke. Mm -hmm. Then we'll dive over to Nightwing Volume 2, Number 2 from 2007, written by Mark and Draco and illustrated by Joe Bennett and Jack Jadeson. This one features a critical exchange between Dick and Babs, also during the Nightwing Oracle years, but featuring a few flashbacks to their dynamite duo, period. I am really excited to get into this next episode because I just finished reading Oracle Year One, and it relates very nicely with Dr. Roberta M. Gilbert and the idea of Barbara Gordon is really trying to individualize herself from her Bat family and from her Gordon family. Mm. So it's, there's a lot of material I'm there. looking forward to it. I've heard good things about this issue. Uh, I'm a little jealous that you got to it before me. Uh, yeah, now you have to read it with my tabs. Oh. <laughs> so, Brad, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? Uh, you can find me at MouthDork on all social medias. Don't forget you can email the podcast by writing to cbccpodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Uh, Lisa, where can our listeners find you online? Where can they send their words of affirmation to you? Oh, thank you. I am always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. And you can commit to this podcast by following us on Instagram and Twitter at CBCC Podcast, by subscribing to us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. And while you're on iTunes, why not give us the gift of five stars? It really warms our hearts. And helps the pod. We actually did just get a new review from the Pizza and Par Parsecs podcast. Ooh. Uh, we'll have to read that on the next episode because uh, I really appreciate it. Kind words. My love language. Yeah. Words of affirmation. So until next time, Lisa, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. Doopy doopy. You are now in session with a comic book couples counseling podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson. Do you know, because I want to, I keep wanting to go like... I am Lisa Lisa Gullickson. I'm Lisa Lisa Gullickson. <laughs> What's that from? Hamilton. Oh, oh, and I'm you're Alexander. doing Alexander Hamilton. Oh, yeah, okay, all right, okay. Well, you know, I, I just want to go like, hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young and scrappy and hungry. What, what does he say? I don't even remember. All right, well, none of this is going into I'm this. not throwing away my... Shot. Yeah, I'm not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. I wish I could actually say those lyrics. Uh, not did you like pull me. up the lyrics? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Oh, my. With every word, I drop knowledge, Lisa. Okay, let's do this.